Welcome to Pushback. I'm Aaron Maté. My guest is Glenn Greenwald. He is the Pulitzer Prize winning co-founder of The Intercept. Glenn, as we are speaking, uh, we are in the aftermath of Robert Mueller's testimony. After you know two plus years of Russiagate being the top issue, it's barely being discussed now. I think that's a recognition that this story was a failure. But we are not seeing any accountability for any of that. No one's come to acknowledge that this thing was overblown and maybe not worth all the energy and attention that has sucked up for so long. And in fact, those who were behind Russiagate are even being rewarded. Uh, we just seen the hiring by CNN of Andrew McCabe, a top FBI official who was played a key role in the Russia investigation. According to one tally, there are now 15 uh, former U.S. intelligence officials working as analysts at CNN and MSNBC. Your thoughts? It's funny when you utter the name Robert Mueller, my brain actually had to take a second to try and remember who that was. Um, it is as though the person who dominated U.S. politics for two and a half years or for two years has just been instantaneously forgotten and rendered to the fringes of irrelevance as a result of the truly pitiful anticlimactic end to that whole saga. Um, as far as Andrew McCabe is concerned, it's really fascinating to me because for a long time, uh, American liberals and the left thought, talked about the U.S. media being a form of, of, of a form of state TV by virtue of the penetration or the infiltration of security state agencies like the CIA, the NSA, the Pentagon, the FBI into the content of news. But that was always done for decades in a clandestine way. That was always how the CIA or, or the FBI would control media narratives as they would kind of do it in the shadows. And what we see now is them just doing it openly and brazenly to the applause of the same faction, American liberals and even parts of the left that for so long were petrified of influence in the media and the news by those security, security, security state agencies, because particularly CNN and MSNBC are filled with, are per virtually drowning in employees who very recently and for most of their careers worked in the very agencies that are designed to propagandize and deceive and mislead the American public and not to inform them. Um, and what's particularly amazing about it is that the officials who get caught lying are the ones who seem to be most valued. I mean, my reporting in the Snowden story was really ultimately enabled by the incident that is quite notorious now where James Clapper, the top official in the Obama administration, went before the U.S. Senate and lied wow. to the American public and to the Senate by denying that the NSA was collecting the exact kind of data on American citizens that we now know that they were collecting because that was the event that finally sealed the decision of Edward Snowden to come forward with this information. And after he got caught doing that, not only did he not get prosecuted for lying to Congress, which we know from the Mueller investigations is a crime, not, he didn't even get fired. In fact, he got hired by CNN. So CNN hired a security state official, which whatever he else he did is already bizarre that you would hire a, a someone from the security world to inform the news, but someone who got caught lying. They just did the same thing with Andrew McCabe, a, a deputy director of the FBI who got fired 
and then was found by the inspector general, who everyone regards as this kind of nonpartisan fair authority of having misled FBI investigators, lying to them about leaks that he in fact did by falsely denying that he did them, now hired also by CNN. So they have a kind of team, not only of ex-spooks, but ones who are known liars. Um, and so they they love to talk about Fox News being state TV, and there is an extent to which that's a valid critique with some shows on Fox that do do nothing but serve as a mouthpiece for the president. But another form of state TV is serving as a mouthpiece for the CIA, FBI, NSA, and the Pentagon, and that's absolutely what MSNBC and CNN are to the point where even if those officials are proven liars, they're still hired by those agencies and outlets to help shape the news. So how can you be somebody at CNN or MSNBC and accuse others of in being involved in state TV or questioning angrily why people have lost faith and no longer believe in the credibility of mainstream media outlets and therefore turn to fake news when you're part of a corporation that hires officials who not only are part of an agency designed to mislead and deceive rather than inform, but who themselves have proven that they're willing to lie even if breaking the law is necessary to do that. And I think the hiring of Andrew McCabe by CNN shows, as you say, that there have been no lessons learned from the debacle of the Mueller and Trump-Russia conspiracy theories, just as there were no lessons learned from the Iraq War. The very people who spread the worst conspiracy theories of the Iraq War, like Jeffrey Goldberg, have risen to the highest levels of the American media and continue to influence it more than ever. And the same is true with all of the theories about how Trump was a, an asset of Vladimir Putin and collaborated and conspired and colluded. I almost forgot that word, colluded with the Russians. Um, the people who spread those debunked conspiracy theories are now being rewarded and given platforms more influential than ever before. It's really a repeat of what happened during the Iraq war. Has anybody called you to apologize, to acknowledge that you were maybe onto something when you expressed skepticism of this prevailing narrative for over two years? I mean, interestingly, I did have, even the whole time, you know, people inside all of these news outlets privately encouraging me. I don't know if you had that as well, but, you know, people who worked at CNN and, and MSNBC and The New York Times and The Washington Post who would message me and say, you're right, what we did in this case was unbelievably unhinged and irresponsible and reckless, but had difficulty saying so because, as you know, the consensus of the U.S. media was so overwhelming and the intolerance for dissent so complete on this issue that it could have been career-destroying for a lot of people to speak up. And there were only a few of us um, who were either independent enough, as in your case, and and or, or I think protected enough in the case of, for example, myself or Matt Taibbi, um, willing to question these narratives because um, we were able to do so. Um, but no, there's been no reckoning of any kind on the part of the big media outlets that led the way in propagating these conspiracy theories. The closest I've seen was the executive editor of the New York Times, Dean, Dean Baquet, and in that private New York Times staff meeting admit that everything they had been saying about Russiagate for two years, including the stories that, as he said, won a Pulitzer Prize or two Pulitzers, I think. Um, the story ended up end, you know, having a conclusion that was very much at odds from what they had expected. And as he said, that left them quite flat-footed. That was the closest I've seen to any kind of attempt to acknowledge 
that they got the story fundamentally wrong for um, in terms of the big themes that they were peddling. And finally, where do you think Russiagate goes next? We've just had over two years of people in Congress and in the intelligence community creating this climate of leaks where that, that falsely portrayed Trump as a Russian conspirator or even asset. Now I imagine that Trump and his people want some revenge and they're in a good position with the Mueller probe over. My concern is that heading into the 2020 election, Trump and his people will do all they can to milk this and to sort of go on the, on the offensive now and sort of use this for their own partisan advantage heading into Trump's re-election campaign. It is notable that even in 2018, um, before the Mueller report came out, the candidates that succeeded in regaining control for the Democrats in the House by winning swing districts or even sort of blue districts almost talked not at all about, almost ignored completely Trump and Russia and Putin because they knew the electorate didn't care about it. And I think by that point had come to realize that it wasn't going to be the silver bullet that Trump Jr. and Jared Kushner and Steve Bannon weren't going to be marched out in handcuffs and Trump put in prison for the rest of his life as, you know, the kind of furthest fringes of Russiagate conspiracists, conspiracists were promising at the beginning. They had realized already in 2018 that none of that was going to happen, that nobody cared, that people wanted to talk about health care, the economy, jobs and trade as opposed to these, you know, wild-eyed conspiracies that Rachel Maddow and friends were peddling every night to a small group of hardcore dead-enders. Now, in 2020, with the Mueller report out, you almost never hear any of these presidential candidates talking about this, except as kind of throwaway lines that they use to, I guess, signal to the hardcore faithful that, you know, they're on the right side of things. My big worry is not just that there's going to be now counter investigations, as there should be, into why, for example, American citizens were spied upon based on allegations that they were agents of the Russian government when Robert Mueller concluded there was no evidence to suggest that they were, and into the real origins of this investigation, both the motives and whether laws were broken to spy on campaign, uh, campaign for political ends. Um, and interference in the part of the CIA and the FBI in our domestic political process. But also the bigger concern for me is that it's now become almost orthodoxy on the part of the Democratic Party that you're required to treat Russia as this grave enemy. And I think that's going to have very dangerous political implications for many, many years to come, as well as disturbing domestic implications. Um, just a repeat of the Cold War where nobody's allowed to talk to the Russians without being accused of appeasing them, where you're not allowed to advocate for better relations with Moscow and the U.S., um, lest you be accused of being an apologist for or an agent for the Kremlin. Just all of those things that were used for decades against Democrats, liberals, and the left during the Cold War are now being used by Democrats, liberals, and even parts of the left in a way that's just as dangerous. And I think that's going to be the most enduring aspect of all of this. It's amazing. Trump has just started a new nuclear arms race with Russia by killing the INF Treaty. John Bolton is talking about killing the New START Treaty, the last treaty left that limits nuclear weapons uh, from the U.S. and Russia. But yet Democrats are still talking about Trump being and and, and 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 they're still, even though it's become less so, less visible at least, plotting 
how to get rid of a close Russian ally in Venezuela, in Maduro. Um, they're still battering the Germans not to buy natural gas from the Russians and buy it from U.S. companies instead, probably the single most damaging thing you could do to the Russians. And yet this moronic, irrational, baseless, conspiracist narrative continues that Trump is controlled by Putin is even as he and his government take continuous steps to subvert Russian interests in the most direct and fundamental ways. It's just like a madness. It's a mania, a pathology that just can't go away because it became a cult-like belief. And it's very difficult to admit that you've been deceived in and um, manipulated to that extent. Glenn Greenwald, co-founder of The Intercept. Thank you so much. Thank you, Aaron. Great talking to you.